Man, that is one amazingly bad movie trailer. Uh, that is awful. Uh, just wait, they get worse as, as we go on. Uh, there, there's also, just kind of a side note, at some point, there's a fan-made uh, trailer for, for the E.T. movie that's reimagined as like a horror film, and that's great. Mandy will tell you about how much she enjoys that uh, a little bit later on in the service. I thought about trying to do the whole message in two-word phrases, but I don't think I could top that trailer, so we'll just uh, keep moving on. It's great to be back after a week off. Uh, been gone for a couple Sundays, but got a week off in between that, and that was amazing. Uh, Tim Cole was here. He preached about church planting and how, as a church, we're engaged and involved in that, and so that was fantastic. By the way, that was the weekend. Uh, one of the reasons we were gone is uh, Seth was in the uh, Dixie Youth World Series uh, for Coach Pitch, and so we are down there for that, which was pretty cool. We represented Virginia really well uh, down there, so that was, that was pretty cool. Thank you. I, uh, I hit well during the series. Just kidding. You guys, all right, I'll keep moving on. Uh, the next Sunday after that, this past Sunday, Chip preached for us. Our own Chip uh, did an amazing job. He kicked off our At the Movies uh, 80s edition series with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Gave us practical uh, tips and wisdom and tools about what the rest that God uh, means to give us through Jesus uh, is supposed to look like. And I appreciate him being here and doing that so I could get some uh, rest that weekend as well. So uh, pretty amazing stuff. I love our At The Movie series. For the last couple years, we've been doing this every August. Uh, we've, we've done an At The Movie series. We've done a superhero edition. We've done blockbuster edition. We've got some other editions in mind in the years to come. And one of the reasons that I love doing this uh, type of series is because of how prevalent the themes of God and the, theme, the themes of the Bible are in our pop culture. I mean, just any art form, really, that we have, you can see in movies, songs, TV, you can see the, the undercurrents of life and how God interacts with that in so many different ways. And so we're going to see that. Uh, we saw that in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. We're going to see that in E.T. this morning. We're going to see that in others. Movies are uh, a great uh, kind of glimpse into fascinating stories that have been created in so many unique ways to express our life experience, our fear, our fantasies. And it's entertaining to get lost in the experience. But one of the things that I think you and I have both noticed through movies is none of them really fully capture what it's like to live in the real world. None of them fully capture life experience. I mean, we kind of shorten down sequences and events to evoke emotion about different subjects. We can see the entirety of somebody's lifespan in two, two and a half hours. But even as amazing as a movie it might be, it doesn't quite capture everything. And it kind of is a reminder uh, that there's something lacking about our life experience. It's one of the reasons why we like to be entertained and distracted by movies. It's because we want to go and experience other things or be reminded of other things or maybe be distracted by other things, uh, learn other things because we can't get all of it in in our own life experience. Somewhere there's uh, an acknowledgement along the line that there's something incomplete and lacking about our own lives. So we open windows through movies to action, to romance, to laughter, even to be scared a little bit so we can see and, and share experiences that don't just entertain us, but also because we want to be impacted, we want to be changed, and we want to be inspired. And E.T. is one of the, those movies. It's one of the most popular movies of all time. You check the list and look at all the, the things that people write about E.T. It's one of those movies that just has stood the test of time. It's considered to be one of the best. It was released in 1982, 
and it broke the record for highest grossing film then. It broke the record for Star Wars, uh, and it held that rank all through the 80s. And here's how E.T. came about. Maybe you don't know this, the background story, or where, where Spielberg got the idea. But in 1960, in 1960, his parents divorced. And so one of the things that Steven Spielberg did to help him through that difficult time in his life and his dad being gone and things changing for him is he came up with an imaginary friend who was an alien. And so that kind of started things back in his childhood, came until, you know, he was into making movies and came up with this idea and script to come up with E.T. Uh, he says that the movie is about a double rescue. E.T. saves Elliot and Elliot saves E.T. And so for those of you who have never seen, has, has everybody seen E.T.? I just want to make sure. Spoiler alert. Okay, so there's just five of you. All right. So spoiler alert. Uh, E.T., this is what E.T. is about. A troubled child summons the courage to help a friendly alien escape Earth and return to his home world. All right. So there you go. That's what E.T. is all about. Now, we could talk about what your, yours and my first experience watching E.T. was and wh what we felt, whether or not we were, we were scared uh, about E.T. or whether or not we thought it was a great movie. But I will never think of E.T. without thinking of Spanish class. Because one of my experiences as a kid was not all the times that I watched E.T. at home and that kind of thing, but was watching E.T. in Spanish. Now, you guys know what the most famous line in E.T. is, right? Let's go ahead and say it. All right, not as enthusiastic as first service. That's okay. You guys, you guys got it. E.T. phone home. Did you know? We'll get to Spanish here in a second. Did you know that E.T. actually never says E.T. phone home? Did you know that? I'll bet you a dollar. I'll bet you a dollar. Watch it this week. E.T. says, does anybody know? E.T. home phone. And then it's Gertie and Elliot who say, E.T. phone home, E.T. phone home. See, there's a little bit of movie trivia for you. I just changed your life. Because now you're going to go get E.T. and watch it just to see if I'm right. Uh, but here's, here was my experience. We watched this in Spanish class. And so every time E.T. phone home, that phrase can, can, comes up. I, don't, I never hear it in English. I always hear it in Spanish. You guys ready for it? This is what E.T. phone home is in Spanish. Ete teléfono a mi casa. So there, there you go. Now you're going to think of E.T. phone home in Spanish uh, for the rest of your life just like me. One of the things that makes E.T. so powerful, I think, is that we can relate to all the characters in the movie. Somewhere, you know, in the kids or in the adults, the experience, even E.T., we can kind of place ourselves in that scenario or that situation in our life. We can relate to some of the things that happen in those experiences. And one of the brilliant things I think the Spielberg does is we get an insight into what E.T. actually is feeling and experiencing. Most of the time, if you think of, oh, are we really alone in the universe or see movies about aliens coming to our world or showing up in our shed or in our yard, it's going to be from our experience. How would that change my life? What would I do? How would I react? What, you know, what, what's going to change in my life? All those kinds of things. But Spielberg shows us what E.T. is dealing with and how that's changing his life. And here's why we're talking about it and here's why it matters. When we think about E.T. in that movie and that experience and who we relate to in that movie... As Christians, we should relate to E.T. more than we do any of the humans in the film. Here's why. E.T. finds himself longing for home in a strange land. He wants to be reunited with his family. He wants to get away from the fears and difficulties he faced being in a strange place. And yet in the midst of all of that, he leaves an indelible mark through love, trust, and compassion 
in the lives of those he interacts with. Everyone thinks he's strange. Everyone, all the adults think that the kids need to be protected from him. Even the kids at the beginning, they think he's dumb and treats him more like a pet. There was one critic that said, yeah, E.T. is just about a story about a boy and his dog. And they treat him more like a pet than anything at the beginning, but he continues to prove over and over to know more about how to live among others than all of those who felt superior to him at the beginning. If there's anything, anyone in the movie that we should relate to or seek to emulate in this movie, it's the alien. And the lives that we lead during our time on earth should reflect the same impact that E.T. left behind. Listen to this passage from the letter of 1 Peter in chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. If you want to turn to 1 Peter, we're going to be in a couple other verses in that chapter as well. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And here's what Peter writes. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and sojourners to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Then the Bible that we give out here at Velocity and Lobby, it's an NIV Bible, and so it has the words foreigners and exiles, but the words uh, that are there, actually the force of what they mean is better described by using aliens and sojourners. It just sounds a little bit weird to us because when we think of aliens, we think of somebody from another planet. But Peter is saying, hey, he's writing to a group of Jewish believers that have been scattered all throughout the Roman Empire because of persecution for their belief in Jesus. So people have been trying to imprison them. People have been trying to kill them for their faith. And they've literally and spiritually been uprooted from their homes and cast out into places that they don't belong, that they've never lived in. And they're hoping they're only there for a very temporary and short time. And so when he says this, he's like, yeah, you, you're aliens where, where you are. You don't belong there. This is not your home where you are in your life right now. And you're, you're sojourners. Like, this is a temporary moment for you in your life, only, not only from where you're living, but also our time here on this earth. And so here's how you should live your life in that scenario. There's fear. There's difficulty. And it's obvious from earlier in Peter's letter that... Uh, that the people that he's writing to, these Christians, their external circumstances cause the need for encouragement and to be reminded of this truth. And this is, the, this is the thing for us. They're reminded of this, that this world is not our home. It's a theme throughout the New Testament. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 13, verse 14 says, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city is to come. So what we experience here in this life is only temporary, and what we have, and, and we ought to have more in common with an alien who understands this more than we do our fellow man who seeks meaning and understanding and purpose from something here on earth rather than from our creator. Anybody ever, any of you guys heard of uh, the allegory of the cave or Plato's cave? You guys heard, heard that before? Plato writes this uh, allegory, a couple of people, uh, Plato writes this allegory, and he, he's a little bit more concerned with knowledge, knowing things, facts, and that kind of thing, but he, he writes this allegory, and I think you'll see how this connects, about prisoners who, uh, for their entire life, they've been chained uh, in a cave, and they've been forced to look forward their whole time, and there's a fire behind them, and in front of that fire, there's a spot for uh, objects to be carried in front of the fire, so a shadow is cast on the, on the cave wall, kind of like a movie projection, right, kind of like that. Anyway, uh, so somebody might, for example, carry a pot in front of the fire, and so when the prisoner sees that shadow on the wall, in that scenario, that's all they've ever known, they think, well, that is the object. 
what they're seeing is, is the reality. But Plato says, suppose one of them actually escapes. They break free from their bonds, and they find that there's a way out of the cave. And so they go to the entrance where they're blinded by what they will soon to find out is the sun. And if they push past that initial pain and that initial discomfort of realizing that uh, there's something different out there, and if they let, give themselves time for their eyes to adjust, they might actually see and experience reality. That, that there is more to life outside of the cave. In fact, life happens outside of the cave. And they won't just see a real pot, but they'll see real trees and real water and a real experience. And yeah, Plato might be concerned with different things when he writes about this, but, but man, see the connection in our lives when we realize that this world is not our home. That when we're caught up in living too familiarly, I said that so much better than I did in first service. Amazing. I can't say that word. So, within our tem- if, if we're living too, too familiar within our temporary home, this side of heaven, we're not much different than prisoners who are stuck in the cave living in the shadows. Listen to what Peter writes just before verses 11 and 12 and 9 and 10. He says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Plato, it's interesting, he goes on to suggest that the person who escaped the cave, uh, they would realize, man, there's so much more to life. The reality is, is outside the cave. So they would go back in and they would try to help other prisoners come out to the cave. But he says, suggests that it's more likely that those prisoners, because of the pain of going through and the sun and their eyes adjusting, that they would think that this prisoner is trying to hurt them. And so they'd be more likely to kill them than to actually listen to them or follow them out of the cave because they're so wrapped up in their life experience. What they think is happening and matters are the things that are sitting right in front of them, but it's so much more. Our perspective through God is that this is not our home. Peter's encouraging his fellow believers that are being killed, that are being persecuted, disrupted from their homes by reminding them of the truth that they have experienced coming out of darkness and into the light because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And that same encouragement remains for you and me through whatever darkness we may face this side of heaven. This world is not our home. And this is comforting because we've been chosen by God as his special possession. And he's coming back again for us. You remember how E.T.'s life purpose changed once he realized he could phone home? Uh, Just before that, you know what he's doing. He's going through the fridge. And so he takes out day-old potato salad, or who, who knows how old it is, and he tries that. It's nasty, so he throws it down there, and the dog loves it. And then he grabs a sixer of Coors, you know, knocks that back, and he sits down to watch TV. He's already settled into the classic American life, right? I mean, that's what E.T.'s doing. He's like, all right, now I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm on the earth. I'm American now. Until he realizes, wait, there's, there's hope for me to be able to reach back to my people and to my family. And if he had realized that and didn't attempt to phone home, it would just meant that he had given up at that point in his life. And so one of the things that Peter is trying to communicate to us and one of the things that we need to be reminded of is to not settle for a conventional, run-of-the-mill, classic American human experience. That you and I get to choose God's good life, this side of heaven. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and sojourners to abstain from sinful desires 
which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. The kids look at E.T. and they think, oh, I don't, this seems like an impossible mission. As he gathers a speaking spell, I had one of those, by the way. It's pretty cool. It still works, actually. It's at my parents' house. And an umbrella. I've had one of those, too. Still works. It's at my parents' house. He gets those two things to phone home, but along the way, they see him bring plants back to life, heal ouches, and find a resurrected life by pursuing being reunited with his, reunited with his family. See, when you're reminded in life that this world is not your home, be encouraged that you are God's special possession. Be encouraged that you have been set apart for helping people find Jesus and love God in the priestly work that he's created us for. Live holy, alien lives so that others will glorify God alongside of you when Jesus returns to bring us home. I want you to listen to a paraphrase of this passage because it kind of puts things into modern terms for us, and I think you'll be able to see how these words connect to your day-to-day living and life with God. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. Live an exemplary life among the natives so that your actions will refute their prejudices. Then they'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. In other words, be an alien in this world by living for the one to come. So you and I want to stick out in our lives by living for the on earth as it is in heaven life Jesus calls us to pray for and to live out. And that's where it starts for us when it comes to living as aliens. When you're away from home, you're gone for a long time, the, the one thing that will help you out is communicating with somebody back home. When I was in Africa for two months, the one thing that I, that I did way too much is I spent time on international calls with Renee. Not that you can never spend too much time talking to Renee. That's not it, but it, you know, spent way too much money doing that because I needed that connection back to home. This is what E.T. needed when he made the speak and spell, the original phablet. I mean, he needed to be connected to his family, and it was more than just he needed to talk to him. See, one of the things that, and, and this is kind of a, a thing, maybe, maybe you've caught on to this, is that throughout the movie, E.T. and Elliot have this, psychic and physical connection and and through through that like they're uh, when et gets sick ellie gets sick when et gets drunk ellie gets drunk all, all that kind of stuff and one of the things that's showing in the movie is that the the type of life that et lives the uh, as an alien is he is con- has to be connected in community God has created us to be in relationship with, with each other in community and so et didn't just want to go back home he had to in order to survive that's why he dies, is because he's separated from his, his family's people where he belongs. That's why he resurrects, is because that connection is reestablished as his family comes back to us. And it's the same for you and me when it comes to Jesus. Being disconnected from God in this life is, is the, the way to, to death. Getting caught up in the run-of-the-mill, everyday life of, of being stuck here on earth and the temporary stuff, like that, that leads to, to death, dissatisfaction, uh, uh, not a good life. 
but God reconnects us to himself through Jesus, and that's, and that's what helps us make it through. In knowing that this world is not our home, and knowing that we can be encouraged because God has connected us to him through Jesus. And he's given us his word to know what he says about himself and what he says to us. He's given us prayer so we can communicate with him whenever we want, over whatever we want. He's given us each other so that we can be in community with each other and encourage each other and remind each other of what God has said, what his, promise, what his promises are, and that this world is not our home and that Jesus is coming back. When you're not when you're where you live, I get it. Things are less convenient. Things are a lot more difficult. The things that we sometimes, the relationships in our life are, are what cause some of the darkness that we feel and pain and fear and anxiety that we deal with in, in this life. But one of the things that God does for us and one of the ways that he communicates with us is that he gives us love. And love is a universal language. This is how E.T. chooses to communicate with the people around him. And the spiritual change that you've experienced due to God's grace and mercy, your resurrection from death as a result of your sin is the greatest love that can be experienced. How we talk with and treat others as Christians is a direct reflection of that love from God. Our speech and our actions should always have this in mind. You notice how uh, E.T., like apparently he has these amazing telekinetic powers and can do all these things, he can lift things with his mind and that kind of thing. You notice how he never uses them as a weapon? Like, even when he's confronted with cops with shotguns, like, he, he uses them to help the people around him. He doesn't use it to lash out as other, at, at others. He always uses them in this innocent and childlike way to help those around him. And it's the same type of faith in life that we're called to have uh, by God, have a childlike faith. And we live this way because the goodness of God leaves the greatest impact in this life. Our presence in this world will leave a life-changing impact on others when we bring healing and connection. It's how we prepare for home and how God has called us to live among each other, on earth as it is in heaven. We're the aliens. We're the strangers in a strange land. And when we live conspicuously godly lives, when we reject the commonplace, conventional, classic life that we feel obligated to live just by being born into a culture, we experience what our connection to God is meant for as we live our lives to connect with others on a foundational form that communicates in the universal language of love. And this is how God relates to us. This is how he calls us to relate to him and, and to others. And we get to celebrate that every Sunday as we come together. And we get to celebrate that as individuals, as we live our lives among our family and our friends and our coworkers. And one of the things we do to remind ourselves of this every week is we take communion together. We take a little bit of bread and we take a little bit of juice to remind ourselves that Jesus broke his body and he spilled his blood so that we could experience this reconnection and resurrection life with God. Our sin separated us. Jesus came so that we didn't have to be separated anymore. And so the end is always a happy ending of, of being reunited with him. And he's coming back again for us. This world is not our home. And we can be encouraged by that truth.